0: Good morning. It is Monday, July 19th, and this is Blake Wilson, Lifeline's Vice President of Operations. And today I'm super excited to launch into the book of Romans. So we're going to be diving into Romans. We're going to be here for a while. It's going to take us some time to get through, but we just wrapped up our study of First and Second Thessalonians. And today we're going to be diving into the book of Romans. So if you guys have read Romans before, you know there's a lot of deep-rooted um, theology that comes out of the book of, uh, book of Romans, and Paul is writing this to the church in Rome um, just as just a statement of faith, of just almost allowing them to understand at the, the nuts and bolts of what it means to become a Christ follower. So as we dive into this. I, I plan to spend the first few minutes giving some context of what's happening before we dive into Romans chapter 1. We'll be in Romans 1, 1 through 17 this morning, um, but the rest of, of the time I'd like to just hopefully paint the picture so we have a little clearer understanding of what's going on here. So let's just start with the scriptures and the, the New Testament. So as you look at the New Testament, you've got the first four books, which are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which we know as the Gospels, and those are all different accounts of the life of Christ and the ministry of Christ on earth. So we understand that those are just a a, a recounting of what happened in Jesus' life, um, his death, his resurrection, his ministry while he is on earth. Then we move into the book of Acts, and the book of Acts really paints the picture of of jesus's ascension into heaven and then the the birth of the first church. So we have the first church that is established in the book of Acts, and this uh really paints the picture for us to have a, a kind of a, a blueprint of what the church was intended to be. So we see that in the book of Acts, and then we move in to the letters of the epistles. And these letters, many of them which happen to be written by Paul, um, are are just uh Letters of encouragement to the different churches that were planted, um, really that were birthed from the persecution that the first church or the first Christians rather had endured um, because of, of of Christ. So, because of their commitment to follow Christ, we saw the pers- the churches begin to be persecuted, and then they were were moved um, throughout really all all of the Middle East. So we saw these countries or we saw these churches begin to to sprout up and to be birthed. Um, but through that, many of them were unaccessible um, for the disciples to get to. Of course, one of those being, being Rome, um, which was so far away. So it's easy for us, or it's easy for me rather, just to read through the Scriptures, to look at the names of cities, and to just wrap them all up in, you know, they're all a couple days up. Couple days' journey apart. Um, this was not true for Rome. Um, you know, I'm sure there were. You know, you could you could travel from by boat. Of course, you could travel by foot. You could travel many different ways. But I think it's important for us to to wrap some context around this and to understand Rome was a long way away. So when we read the scripture in Acts and Jesus's command, you know, to take the gospel to the other other most parts of the earth. In a sense, this is this is kind of the Rome is kind of that. I mean, it's outside the city; it's in a different country. Um, you know, I actually mapped it just to see what that would look like. Um, you know, in modern modern day, if you were to drive, it's actually forty four hours. So you can think about um, the distance away that this was. Um, to be able to to take or to be able to travel. So, it, you know, when, when you hear and we read this morning of Paul's desire to get there, it wasn't like I just I'm trying to find a weekend off to travel to see you. It was a definite intentional trip um, to, to make it to Rome, to be able to encourage them. But many things stood in his way of actually traveling. So let's uh, let's take a step back and look at Look at Paul as he um, as he was, and really understand a little a little background of him, which we know, right? But I just want to refresh our memories just real quickly through um, kind of the synopsis of him. In in uh, a commentary that I was reading, put it this way: I said, no person apart from Jesus Himself shaped the history of Christianity as much as the Apostle Paul. Even before he was a believer, his actions were significant. His frenzied persecution of Christians following Stephen's death pushed the church to start obeying Jesus' final command to take the gospel worldwide. Then Paul had a personal encounter with Jesus, and it changed his life. He never lost his fierce intensity, but from then on, it was channeled for the gospel. So you can see this drastic encounter that Paul had with Jesus and how his life was transformed. And as he as he moves into um, his life as a believer, his life following Christ, and in his letters, he begins to introduce himself um, as a follower, as an apostle, as a, as a servant, um, as he follows Christ. And we're going to see that as we look into Romans chapter 1, but this letter he is introducing himself to a to a church, to a body of believers who he has never met. And it was so far away that the, the disciples, no disciple, had even been there at this point. They just heard of the great work that was happening from this church of Rome, but they actually hadn't made the journey. They actually hadn't visited. So he he is really writing a letter to a group of people who he has never met before, but yet he is trying to encourage as they, as they follow Christ. <clears throat> so we know he had a desire to get there. We know that there were many barriers that were in his way um, from being able to travel, to go see his brothers and sisters face to face. He wanted to be there, but ultimately things kept getting in the way of this long journey. So he wanted to do something. And, and I think that's just one principle that we can easily start off with today is is when, when you hit barriers, um, look for other avenues, right? It would be easy for Paul just to say, I'm, I'm not able to be there in person, so I'm just not going to do anything. He found another way to be able to take the gospel to this church, to be able to encourage them. You know, I don't know how the mail system worked back, back then. I don't know how long it took a letter to get there. I don't know how the letter got there. But I do know the Lord used the letter to the Romans that Paul had written to really shape history and to encourage this church of young believers um, to stay strong. You know, this letter was a a declaration of the faith, a statement of the faith, and really just starting with the nuts and bolts of what it meant to be a Christ follower. And he really starts there as as he is writing and identifying himself. But it's important for us to keep in mind that this letter was probably the only Written form of um, of of scripture or of uh, biblical statement that existed during this time. You know, this was before the New Testament had begun to circulate, before you know they had reached their final written form. Um, so this this letter that Paul wrote of these Christian principles and these statements and what it mean, what it meant to find faith and hope in Christ and in Christ alone. This was the only thing that they had in writing. So you can think about how cherished this letter was once it reached them because it had a systematic presentation of what the Christian faith is. So today we're just going to be looking at the first 17 verses, but I hope that puts some context in place for us as we study this book over the coming weeks um, as we dive into the book of Romans. So um, Romans 1.1, it says, Paul a servant of Jesus Christ called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. I think it's key for us to stop here and just remember he identifies himself as a servant, which was such a foreign thing for anybody in Rome. For you to identify yourself as a servant um, was just humiliating because Rome was such a successful and affluent city. So for us to see Paul identifying himself as a servant Really expresses his humility in his life change. So it says he's a servant of Christ Jesus. So he is serving the Lord, and he wants to start off his introduction by saying, "This is who I am." It's kind of like when you meet somebody, you know. Now, a lot of times in America, you shake hands with somebody, you say, "You know, hey, this is my name." Um, you know, maybe say, "This is where I'm from," or "This is my family." These are my, this is my my wife or my children, and it's normally followed up with. What do you do? This is what I do, or this is where I work, or something like that. So Paul is starting off his introduction to this church of saying, "I'm a servant of Christ Jesus. That's who I am. That's who I want you to know. That's what I want you to know of me." And he says, "I'm called to be an apostle, so I'm, I'm one who is sent. I have been sent to set apart the gospel of God." So he's he is saying, "I'm following Christ. I'm serving Christ, and I'm taking this. I'm bringing this message to you." sentence, you know, sentence one, that this is what I'm called to do. And then he points back to um, the Old Testament and he says, I'm set apart for the gospel, which he promised beforehand through his prophets and his holy scriptures. So we can, you know, he reminds the church of Rome to look back to the Old Testament, to the holy scriptures, to the writings of all the prophecies of the coming of Christ you know, there's numerous prophecies we could spend time pulling out today and looking through Genesis and Psalms and Malachi and much of the Old Testament um, of the coming of Christ. But, but he just points them back to validate that prophecy has been fulfilled with the coming of our Savior. So he says, um, he promised beforehand through, his, through the prophets of the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among the nations. Paul takes this this time to really point people um, back to who he is back to who Jesus is and saying he is the promised Messiah. He is the resurrected Lord. You know, Paul calls Jesus a descendant of King David to emphasize that Jesus truly did fulfill the Old Testament scriptures, predicting that the Messiah would come from David's line. So he's saying this is who he was from humanity levels. This is prophecy fulfilled. He came from the lineage of David, but he also is the son of God. He's saying this is this is the descendant of David, prophecies fulfilled. This is the, the the living Lord. This is Jesus Christ. So he's reminding them of who Christ is. And in six and verses six and seven, he says, including you. And I think that's uh, he puts that in there because if you if you think about what was happening in Rome during this season of a fluency of success of. Just conquering, really conquering the world. Such a strong city, um, but it's such—it was such a perverse city. And we're going to see that as we dive into, to Romans chapter two and three, and begin to dive more into um, the sin and the immorality and things that were happening in this city. But Paul says, including you, who were called to belong to Jesus Christ. You know, I think sometimes it's easy to get discouraged when you're, when you're on an island or when you're by yourself, when you're alone. Um, and he's reminding this church that is kind of surrounded by evil, surrounded by um, just the things of this world, to, to stay strong. He says, To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from our God, our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know he, he, he says in a sense in these short seven verses hey I'm Paul this is who I am this is who Jesus is and then this is this is who you are he's reminding them that they have been called by God to be saints because you were loved by him so I'm Paul this is Jesus this is who you are now let's dive in and get and get rolling so he begins to to kind of unpack this in the next um, nine verses. So verse number eight, he, he recounts his desire to go visit them, to go go on this journey. So he says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. I thank God through Jesus Christ because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. I want you to think about this church that was working for the hope of Christ, sharing the gospel. Um, in the city of Rome and how they were impacting the world, but yet they were unaware. I think it's important for us to stop and think about the impacts that our daily actions can have um, for the good or the bad. I think it's important for us to remember that that our message can be proclaimed to all the world and can have global impact regardless of our intentions the lord can use us his small um, his small creation to be able um, to impact the world but I, he says i think my god through jesus christ and again this is paul this is paul being paul of just um his well educated studied um disciple of jesus of just reminding them in this little vignette that it is through Jesus. Jesus is the one and only mediator between us and God. I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. He's reminding them that it's because of what Christ Jesus did for us that we have hope. Verse 9 and 10 says, For my God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit, in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you, always in my prayers, asking that somehow, by God's will, I may at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gifts to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. And I do not want you to be unaware, my brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but have been prevented in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. He's saying, God is my witness. I have prayed for you daily. I want to come see you. I want to share um, a message with you. I want you to be encouraged by what I have to say, but I also need to be encouraged by you. So I want you to understand how hard I'm trying to get to you, but I just haven't been, been able to. So I think the, in these f- f- first short few verses, Paul is just reminding uh, reminding them of, I've tried, I have a strong desire to come to come see you, um, but the sovereign hand of the Lord has prevented me from getting there for quite some time. So he had this desire to go, but then God's sovereignty, honestly, it, it said no, it can't go. The time is not now, which resulted in the writing of this letter. So Paul wasn't able to physically go. But his solution was to write a letter, and was to find a way to get the gospel to the church in Rome, and to be able to encourage them through this statement. So he wasn't he wasn't going to give up, but stop and think with me just for a minute about what would have happened if the Lord had allowed Paul to travel when he wanted to travel. The answer is the letter. This letter wouldn't have existed, you know. And if you are like me, the the letter. To the Rome, to the Romans, has been life altering for me and my journey with the Lord. I cannot tell you how many times um, I've listened to messages um, on Romans, or Bible studies on Romans, or um, used Romans as a outline for me um, as I learned to share my faith. Guys, the book of Romans has been so instrumental in the life of so many millions and millions of believers around the world. But that wouldn't have happened if Paul's plans had happened the way Paul wanted them to to be. Guys, it's important for us to take a step back and to remember that the Lord is sovereign and that his plans are better than our plans. That we have to trust in that. That we don't understand in the time, he is working all things for our good. And because Paul wasn't able to travel, he, he wrote this letter that has gone on to point millions of believers to Christ because of the hardships that he was enduring. So he continues and he says, I'm under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome because I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is of the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Paul had an eagerness and a hunger to share the gospel. So he put it in writing so that it could continue on. And he reminds them in verse 16 a very powerful, powerful verse. I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. He's reminding them that the hope is for everyone, not just Jew, Jew, but all Gentiles, all that hear salvation is for you. And he is eager to share that message because the Lord has transformed him. And we're going to see that come to play time after time as we study through the book of Romans together. So I'm super excited to continue this study I pray that you continue to tune in and join us as we dive through the book of Romans over the next few months together. Um, We're going to close out our time today praying for the country of Togo. So as we close, um, let's go before the Lord. Father, we are grateful for your scriptures. We are grateful for your word and thankful um, that we are able to find rest in your plans. Lord, remind us even this week as we as we face trials and tribulations or times of uncertainty, Lord, that your plans are bigger and better than our plans. And though we may get dis- disheartened, um, Lord, may we rest and trust that you are working all things for our good. God, we pray for the country of Togo today, and we, we pray for these lost. Just as Paul, Paul was eager to go um, share the gospel with the, the church there in Rome to the Romans, God, we pray for the 90% of the Togolese who are lost without Christ. Lord, that number is just heart-wrenching. To know a country has so many people who are lost and have not heard about your hope and your gospel. So God, we pray for our partners on the ground there in Togo. Lord, we pray for the church to be able to rise up and engage with the gospel, Lord, and use this platform of orphan care to, to open up those doors. God, help us to encourage churches. Lord, send us new church partnerships Um, Both in Togo and here in the States, that we can partner with to be able to to share the hope of who you are with the Togolese. God, we pray for um, for Winter, a young pastor there. We pray that um, as he leads, Lord, that you will give um, listening ears, Lord, that people will be responsive to the gospel. That he may just be a beacon of hope to those around him in the surrounding areas, and that his church will grow. God we just pray for new opportunities and partners, um, even with with uh, a young man named Godwin as he um, as he pursues um, opportunities there to minister to the same orphanage that he grew up in. God we may that you, you we pray that you may bless his farm and his business and everything he is working through. So God, just we're grateful for him and his hope and faith and trust that he has placed in you, God. And as he continues to spread your message as Paul did late, may you give him eagerness and boldness to proclaim the hope of the gospel. So God, we also, um, Lord, round out our time today just praying that you would open up doors for new orphanage partnerships or new chances for a lifeline to, to share the gospel there. Lord, give us clear direction and next steps and the best ways to move forward as we see you at work there. But God, may you um, make it clear to us on the lifeline's part to get engaged as we move forward. So Father, we love you. And we thank you for your scriptures. And we ask these saints in the name. Amen. For Bible study, if you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at infolifelinechild.org. At we look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study.